What the hell is in those bags? Rabbit weasels. fall of 1969, the Darrell Chemical Company, under contract to the U.S. Army, conducted a series of secret experiments with a new biological weapon called 245-trioxin. According to reports, the chemical was a catalyst in genetic reactification. What this meant and why trioxin was useful has never been revealed. But one thing is certain. Trioxin was soon considered too dangerous and volatile, even for experimental use. Interest in the lethal compound was abandoned several years ago. The Army will not comment, other than to say all trioxin has since been destroyed. We are back for another episode of Rabid Weasel. Uh, with your host, Tim Mann, and my good friend William is back on. So, yes, yeah. how you doing, buddy? You good? Man, I feel like we've been through this before. <laughs> it's like a dream, this whole thing. You know, you, me... me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, I um. So yeah. So anyone who's who's seen the title of this episode, it is basically talking about Return of the Living Dead Part Two. I recently what I watched it last night, and I watched it again today before just before we uh we started this episode. And uh, it's fun, man. It's a fun ride. It's a fun ride. What are your initial thoughts of Part Two? I know you're a big fan. You got. Yeah, I'm I'm something of a part part two apologist, and it's funny saying that because, you know, when I first saw part two, you know, for context of people didn't see my my the introduction episode with me, I I saw the first Return of the Living Dead when I was twelve, and it scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Uh, and as a result, I didn't see any of the sequels until years later. Mm. So we so we fast forward. This is back in about 2000 or so when I saw the first RTLD. Fast forward to about 2017. I yeah. revisit Return of the Living Dead. Uh, and it just, it goes from a movie that I hated as a kid uh, to a movie I love as an adult. And yeah. not long and not long after watch, watching it, I decided to watch part two. I, I bought a VHS copy off eBay because this was about a year before Screen Factory put out their excellent Blu-ray. Right. Uh, and I and I watched it, and I remember at the time just just not liking it. Mm. It didn't it didn't click with me like the first one did. And I think in large part it's because of you know as as may have discussed it's large in large part because it emphasizes the comedy over the yeah. horror. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that in a way that Return of the Dead Two. And we'll talk more in, in detail about it. Return of the Dead Two is basically Return Return of the Living Dead if it was a Goosebumps book. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty pretty good uh, good analogy there. Yeah, yeah. Especially with stuff like you know the child protagonist and the bully who becomes a zombie menace to the kid protagonist. Yeah. But then I don't know I don't know why, but just the more I rewatched it because it and the and the first one were movies that I would rewatch regularly. But the more I rewatched part two, the more I came to appreciate it for what it is. I mean, mm. it's. It doesn't it, it doesn't match the heights of the first one for sure. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah. taking on its own, it's a it's an enjoyable enough zombie comedy with some uh with some great practical effects and some and and some and some good comedy though. Though some of the humor doesn't quite land. Mm. Yeah. No, I get you. I get you. I. Yeah. I. I. I really like l- lots of part two, but they there's some bits. I think I've got I've got some nitpicks. You know, as as everyone does with the with these movies. You know, mm-hmm. um, but nothing. I, overall, it's enjoyable. There's not much. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Sorry, I'm just getting over the flu, so I might be doing that in between. Um, it's not um, trioxin flu or anything like that. You know, it's, okay. it's, it's it's all good. It's all good. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, like I said, I rewatched it yesterday. Watched it today. Um, for me, the 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 standouts. I always will say this is is James Caron, Tom Matthews. Oh yeah, you know, you know. I mean, uh, yes, they're playing different roles, but it's them. It's that, it's that energy of them two together. It's always, it's always gold, you know, to me. Um, yeah. I feel, I feel that once that they're not in the film anymore, I, 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 I still enjoy it, but I'm like, ah, oh. you know, that's like, ah, oh, that was, yeah. that was, that's my favorite bit, you know, and they're gone now. <laughs> And, yeah, um, we'll we'll get more into that because that's yeah, like yeah. that's like one of the big glaring plot holes. It's like two pivotal characters just disappear from the movie after they yeah. turn. Yeah, um, we'll get more into we'll get more into that, especially since I have a copy of the script and we can talk a little bit about what 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 not what didn't make it into the finished film. Oh, interesting. Yes, Ooh, but I, I definitely. I definitely agree with you that James Karen and Tom Matthews are definitely one of the highlights of, of part two. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, it's that same dynamic, but it's, it's cranked up to 11, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause they're this time they're great. They're grave robbers. And, you know, James Karen's taken on Tom Matthews as, you know, the, as a new hire. And I, I really do like their stuff uh, when, when they're in the mausoleum breaking in and, you know, lobbing off the heads and whatnot. Cause there's some, uh, James Cameron, there's some really great gals humor he gives during, during that whole scene when they're in the mausoleum that I, yeah. I really enjoy. Yeah, there's things I noticed tonight as well, watching it and yesterday that like, you know, open the bag like you do in the store. I'm like, ooh, what store's this? They obviously work together, whatever they do. But, you yeah. know, it's never mentioned where they work. I don't know if that's in the script, in that script you have, maybe. I don't know. But, um, yeah, the little, little tiny things that is obviously comedy got not so much comedy gold it's just it's just gold it's like it would be it'd be disrespectful to you know take heads that weren't into you know interned it's like it's just ah, it, it, yeah it's great it's yeah. great but um yeah. so rewatching it for me it was a vhs by years ago and i think i watched do you know i actually think i've watched part two more than i watched the first one in really? a sense, yeah, in a sense of like I saw the first one years ago. Friend had it on VHS, watched it a lot, but really enjoyed it, but never had a copy of it. Whereas mm-hmm. part two, it was a VHS purchase that I I got, so that was always on. If you know yeah. what I mean, I I always yeah, I I always would put horror movies on as background. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm doing anything like drawing or even you know anything, but. I normally stick on a movie if I know it enough and I like it enough, I'll put it on in the background and it's just there and I'll quote the, the lines as they go. So I put this on recently and I'm like, Oh yeah, I used to watch this a lot. It remember a, a nostalgic memory has come back of me remembering that I used to watch this an awful lot, you know, when I was younger and interesting. 
Yeah, and I always love Suzanne Snyder because I'm a massive weird science fan. Yeah. So it's like, oh, it's her, you know, it's 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 her from Weird Science and stuff like that. And yeah, it's 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 it's, a, it's better. It's better to remember. It's better to remember. It's 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 real interesting, especially talking about part two in the horror community, because I've kind of realized that part part two is pretty nostalgic for a lot of horror fans. It, it seems for them, for a lot, a lot of people, like when they were young, like eleven or twelve, this was their their gateway horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see it bring part two up anytime. You'll you'll have your you'll have your share that will be like, oh, I love this as a kid. And of course, you'll have some that that you know they saw it later as an adult, like me, or like you know this this isn't as good as the first. Yeah, yeah. Although like although like I've just reality like i said i've warmed up the part two over the years but yeah it's it's really interesting how it's like yeah for a lot of people like part two was like that that gateway horror movie and i definitely are i would definitely agree that like you could definitely show part uh return of living dead part two to kids and they'll and they'll like it because well if you show the first one to them they're probably gonna have to go to therapy afterwards um <laughs> yeah. part part two is um, is much more easily digestible uh than the first one yeah know? yeah yeah because um well yeah i i kind of i i think i i agree with you 100 percent there because i had it on today and you know my my wife was out with the two boys they're only young they're only like eight and six mm-hmm. and as they knocked on the door they couldn't see the tv but it was literally the end scene where they're all getting electrocuted and yeah. i thought i could quite easily let them in and they'd be quite fine with it you know that's 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 the initial thought i have i didn't i stopped it in the end because i i just be bombarded with questions daddy what why is that why is there a head talking why is there blue <laughs> well, you know and also the the kids nowadays would be like Look at the effects on that electric. That looks terrible. You know. <laughs> yeah. What's with the Michael Jackson zombie burning the frame? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They only recently knew who Michael Jackson was. Oh dear. Yeah. Well, they're only young. They're eight and six. But mm-hmm. you know, they they asked me. My my eldest son asked me the other day, Daddy. You know, um, how old was Michael Jackson? And I'm like, well, he's not here anymore. And blah blah blah. <laughs> and I I showed him uh, Thriller, not Thriller, but um, I showed him the the. The album covers, that was it. I pulled out the Thriller LP because I've got them. Yeah. And then I pulled out Bad and I said, same guy. And they were like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> they were a bit confused. Yeah, wider? <laughs> yeah. I said, it's a long story. Don't worry. So, yeah, yeah they may recognize the, uh, the um, what is it? The, uh, what's, his, oh, what's his name? Oh, God. Brian Peck. Brian Peck. Brian Peck. In, in, not as Brian Peck, but Brian Peck is... Um, Michael Jackson. There's Michael Jackson, yeah. They may recognize the Michael Jackson thing, but in the end, I turned it off. But like you say, the only reason this movie got a 50, well, it's a 15 rating in the UK. I know it's, it's different for over over where you are. What do they call it? Is it an... It's an R. It's an R. There you go. So we got it as 15. The only reason it's a 15 is because of the uh, shotgun shot where the zombie gets cut in half. Yeah. That's the only reason what makes it that they were going for the the PG thirteen, but they said no, that's that's too much when it's in half and he's the, even though it's comedy where he's walking around with the legs and he's trying to yeah. grab his own legs. It's comedy, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely like it's art, but it's a very tame art. But yeah, but 
but that but that's fine because again you could again you could show it to a kid and you know they'll they'll enjoy it and then turn you can you know show them other stuff like you know, monster squad paranorman etc yeah exactly exactly yeah the um yeah like you said before there is a lot of absolute love for part two and there are some people i know of on on my instagram who you know message me and say great page but two's my favorite i'm not really a fan of number one i'm like that's cool everyone can like whatever they want to like there's no there's no rules but some people actually love two more and you know yeah why not you know people might love three more i've done about four and five but there you go <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so yeah well, um yeah go go ahead go ahead well bit. i was thinking about well if we're going to do a deep dive into part two i th- I think it's best we get into the history of how it came to be especially yes. with you know the big one like why dan o'bannon didn't get involved with the sequel so let's mm-hmm. let's let's dial the let's dial it back to 1985 so it's 1985 return of the dead just released it's a it's a moderate box office hit and mm-hmm. of course when something is a hit you gotta have a sequel I mean, yeah. this this is the '80s, which was very much the '80s is very much the decade of the sequel because it, it's not just horror that's all you know. Various franchises pop up with sequels. It's just you had a lot of franchises popping up in general mm-hmm. that were you know you do a movie and then a few years later you get a sequel. You know, Indiana Jones, yeah, um, Batman, even though that was late '80s, early '90s, still um, James Bond. Which was already established at that point, but still, it's like they were still doing sequels to that. Um, yeah. Then, of course, in horror, you had Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, you had, you know, George Romero with Day of the Dead, his, his continuation. You had mm-hmm. Halloween. Um, you had Hellraiser. The list goes on. So right. it's it only makes sense that you know you do a Return of the Dead Part Two. Yeah. Now, now of course, people have always wondered why Dan O'Bannon didn't do a sequel. Yeah, I, I've yet to find a concrete answer as to why. Unfortunately, he's no longer around, so we, you know, we can't ask him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But but for what I can gather from interviews and such, I think it was just the whole experience of making the first one. Uh, as a result of that, he just he wasn't too interested in doing a sequel. Mm-hmm. Although that's, that's not to say he was entirely out of part two, because um, as we'll get to shortly, Ken did actually reach out to Dan O'Bannon for his input. Yeah. So uh, with that said, you know, producer Tom Fox, he's looking to do a part two, and he ends up meeting this guy named Ken Wiederhorn. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting with Ken Wiederhorn, and you look at his background, because it's like, well, for one, he his background is in, is in television. He, for the longest while, he was working as, as an editor and a producer for CBS News, doing, doing very specials and, and documentaries for them. Right. And then in the late 70s, a friend of his called him up and said, hey, I'm looking to do a horror movie down in Florida. Would you be interested in directing? And he says, sure. So he hops down to Florida to do what would eventually become 1977's Shockwaves, which have mm-hmm. you have you seen Shockwaves? I don't think I've seen that one. No. no. Yeah. So Shockwaves, it's like it's a low budget horror movie, and it's probably the only movie in existence to feature uh, underwater Nazi zombies. Wow, nice. Yeah, so you know, this this was years before Dead Snow did Nazi zombies in the snow. We have shockwaves yeah. with Nazi zombies in the water. Right. And uh that that movie as a result of Ken doing that, 
also it leads to him become a horror director, even though he did, he didn't see himself as a horror director. This right. is something he's often mentioned in interviews and such, but he never he never saw himself as a horror director. He just sort of, as he said, he he stepped in the door one day when when the opportunity presented itself. Uh, and then a few years after Shockwaves, he did Eyes of a Stranger, uh, which which was Jennifer Jason Lee's uh, feature debut. Yeah. And, I per- and I personally really like Eyes of a Stranger. It's a it's a hidden gem of A's horror, um, as yeah. I discussed in the last podcast. Um, and it's definitely worth checking out um, if you can find a copy. But yeah. um, but in between, but but after doing Eyes of a Stranger, he would go on to do um, Meatballs Part Two. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny with that with Meatballs Part 2. I, I learned from Ken uh, an interview with him that it wasn't intended to be a meatball sequel. It was it was shot as a, a standalone summer camp comedy, but then the right. studio was like, well, let's rename it Meatballs Part 2 uh, to give it some added marquee value. Mm-hmm. Uh, and side note, Meatballs Part 2 is probably the only movie in existence to feature a Jewish E.T. knockoff as a pivotal character. <laughs> I'm not making it up. There, there's an there's an alien meatballs part two. And you're just like, why the what the fuck is an alien doing here at the summer camp? Why is he Jewish? Jeez, oh, <laughs> bloody hell! Right. Yeah, it's also got the. It also has the late great Paul Rubens as a wacky bus driver. So there's that. All right, right, very good, very um, good. But uh, but not long after doing, but not long after doing meatballs part two, um. Ken attends a, a screen a screenwriting class held by this well known screenwriter. I forget his name. Uh, he ends up writing this um this horror comedy script involving uh involving zombies. I don't know much uh, about that original script, but ultimately what happens is is that Ken in, ends up meeting Tom Fox. Tom Fox sees a script that he'd been trying to get that Ken had been trying to get made for a while, and he mm-hmm. says, "Well, you know, let's take this script. Let's rename it Part Two. Add in two, four, five tracks and some other stuff, and let's make a sequel. And yeah. then from there, that's how we got Return of the Limb Dead Part Two. Right. Okay. Interesting. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Very good. Yeah. Now I've just watched uh, on the second site uh, Blu-ray, the UK version. I've just seen the. I've just. Oh, I didn't finish it because we were coming to do this, but I was watching the making of. Um, is it? They won't stay dead. The yeah. extra, yeah. I watched. I was watching that, and it was on the part with Ken Wiederhorn. How a lot of the 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 the, um, the crew and the cast were like, he didn't, he didn't really seem into it. And like, I think that harkens back to what you were saying was, it was probably never horror was never his intention. It just happens, and then yeah, one after the other, you get another. So, oh, you're a horror dude. Here's another one. And he's like, well, okay, and you know, I'm not, you know, a gig's a gig, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I, I, you definitely you definitely feel it in part two, because, especially with like how you know the comedy is played up, but the horror is just it's it's there, but but only as is. There's nothing really scary in, in part two per, no. per se. And I think no. that that ambivalence that his ambivalence towards the genre definitely shows definitely shows in part two. Yeah, um, yeah. I do know. Going back to the film's production, I do know that Ken faced some hurdles uh, mm. during the making of Part Two. A lot of it stemmed from the fact that he chose to make the protagonist a child, and yeah. and at the time, and this is still true today, but you know, at the time when you're shooting a movie with a kid, you only have a certain amount of hours that you can work with him. Uh, yeah, true. 
and uh, and as a result, you know, Ken had Ken and the crew had to be really mindful of like how much they could shoot for a day before, uh, you know, Michael Kenworthy uh, could be let go. Yeah. Um. Some right. of the other challenges he's faced, he faced during the making. Off the top of my head, I know that there was some producer interference during the mm-hmm. making of part two. Um, I know because I remember reading in the uh, the Return of the Dead history book that the producers want the zombies to look more comedic, hence why they're more the more broad and exaggerated in terms of their design in the sequel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know that when they shot the the electrocution scene, the power plant they had set up got accidentally destroyed. Oh right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because like a stuntman, uh, he lost he lost his footing. He fell through the ceiling and brought the whole set down oh. on him. So they had to rebuild the whole thing. Um, right. And yeah, it's just so yeah. While while shooting itself, I would say wasn't as dramatic as it was with part one. You know, no no FX artists were fired halfway through it and replaced. Yeah, um, true. It definitely can definitely face face some hurdles during the making of part two. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and like you say, with the when you have you know you try you, know, you have children as like your you kind of your main leads, and you've got I suppose you've got his sister and and you know the they're older, they're teenagers, but it it's essentially the story of Jesse, isn't it, to start mm-hmm. with? Yeah, and then you say you've already hit that sort of that marker of right, you you're already in a child friendly type scenario with the movie so mm-hmm. you know and like when the movie starts you know there's a lot of i see a comparison to the the streets of poltergeist and et which are both very linked oh yeah because of the spielberg-ish you know story um yeah and it was under construction as you can tell in the in the actual movie and it actually was but mm-hmm. very spielberg very very friendly et-ish you know it's yeah yeah, there's nothing scary in two. There's nothing scary. Yeah, it's yeah. very and, and and that was very much the case during the eighties because like there were there were other movies during that time that were trying to capture the quote unquote Spielbergian nature of stuff like ET and Poltergeist. Uh yeah, you, you had you had Gremlins, you had the Monster Squad, you had the Blob remake, and you have Return of the Living Dead Part Two. Those movies just kind of like fall into that subgenre of like Spielbergian horror where you have this um seemingly innocent suburban neighborhood small town conveyed by this outside force and it's up to the characters who are generally kids slash teenagers they have to find mm-hmm. a way to stop the menace yeah 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 that's true yeah and i'm just thinking then like you know in the scenes where you've got you know where say i don't know the, the zombies biting a head or, or something it's not as graphic as part one you know in when yeah. When the tar man takes a bite out of, out of um, suicide, you see it. Whereas in this one, it's it's a lot of noise, mm-hmm. and then afterwards, it's the show of, of a bit of blood and a bit of bit of brains. But you don't see it as I mean, even with um, Joey and his girlfriend, isn't it? It's not you don't see it. It's just it's mm-hmm. sound, so it it's a lot a lot safer, you know. Yeah, and um, and you yeah. know we'll get to the script eventually, but I, I will say that at least in the script, Ken tried to does try to balance out the humor with some with some fairly gory bits. Yeah, yeah, I mean it does work, like you say. Um, and I, I one thing I absolutely loved about part two was 
Kenny Myers' zombie makeup on all the zombies. Superb. Oh, yeah. Absolutely great. It's... Real real standout moments for me. I mean, you've got obviously the, the famous, you know, get the screwdriver, get that damn screwdriver out of my head. But just the 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 prost- yeah, the prosthetics and everything, the the the, the faces, the yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. Absolutely great. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely like yeah, you can definitely tell they had a bigger budget to work with, especially especially in the makeup. Uh, yeah. You know, again, the, the zombie design is more broad and exaggerated, but also that's like that's what makes them really really cool. Um, yeah. I know some people prefer the more like slapdash covered in mud look of the zombies in in the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, it's kind of like 50-50. Like on the one hand, yeah, it does make them a little terrifying because it's like if if people rant, you're just covered in mud, you'd be terrified. But on the mm-hmm. other hand, you can tell that. Oh uh, well, you know, William Munns was slacking off, and as a result, they they didn't the zombies that they wanted. But was yeah. whereas with part two, there's a clearer vision for what the zombies should look like, and there are like a lot of memorable, uh, memorable ghouls. The one that really sticks out for me is uh the worm one that has the worms in her head when she attacks the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and takes out Billy's dad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just something about. I mean. I've got the stats here. You know, the budget for part two was six point two million, whereas the original was just four million. So you've already got you know, got more money to play with. Another thing is the when when the trioxin obviously spills onto the graveyard, mm-hmm. it's um, I think it's it's fourteen minutes in, and the, and the trioxin's already getting spilled onto the graveyard. I noticed yeah. that. You know, when it's, I watched, um, I thought, that's it, yeah, great. it's definitely. Yeah, it definitely gets to the it definitely gets to the action quicker uh, than yeah. the first one. But that's what made the first one great. It was that gradual escalation of like, okay, the the barrel's been slapped, the gas is loose in the warehouse. Okay, how are they going to deal with it? They get the yeah, cadaver, yeah. they slice it up, they take it to the morgue, they burn it, and it falls all over the cemetery. And that's when you know it's like the forty five minute mark. That's when all hell breaks loose. Whereas yeah. with this, this being the sequel, they get to it. They get to the what we want, you know, much quicker. Yeah, it's all established, isn't it? But when, but when the the corpses come out of the out of the ground, great, great sequence, and they 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 do it. They show quite a bit, and I love it because it's definitely a a more polished version of how they come out of the ground from part one. You know. Oh yeah, because in part I mean, one they just. Because in part one is just they just rise out and and that's it and that's it's yeah, a one, one wire nitpick I one one complaint I have with part one is that I wish they lingered on the zo- the zombie resurrection longer. Yeah. Whereas with part two yeah. we get that nice extended sequence um, set to the uh, new tracks theme and the in the original score at least in the DVD version it's a whole another story. But yeah, it's just you know watching the camera pan over as they just you know claw their way out of the graves and, and come up. Yeah. It's just it's very stylish and very well done. It's a it's a great little sequence. Mm, definitely, that's one thing I noticed. I noticed that tonight watching it today, I was like, "Look at that! That looks good." That's that's what you didn't get in, like you say, in the first. So it's nice to have that, and you can even you even don't mind the comedic bit where the the, the zombie woman comes out, <laughs> and can't see it, and puts the glasses on, and even goes ah. <laughs> Yeah, my 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 favorite bit is when the uh the one zombie is trying to get out, but one steps yeah. on his hand, then he moves it, and then another steps on his head, and he falls back down to his grave. Yeah, yeah, it's that's I, I suppose the, I I love it, but I also hate it. 
because it's too on the nose with the comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I love, I do, I do like this movie. I really do. But I just, you know, I'm. What I've got to do is is stop trying to compare it to the first because it's a completely different, yeah, like ball game, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's more, it's more of a fun, fun ride. I mean, you know, like you, like you said earlier, that it can't be compared to the first. I mean, I, I love that you've got uh, Joey and Ed who are, you know, the the same actors from obviously part one, but they're different characters. Uh, their chemistry is is still amazing in this mm-hmm. one. And you know the fact that they're great grave robbers is is it's a nice it's 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 just a good little take on something a bit different. We, you know, why would they be there? Because they're they're grave robbers. They they take heads. They take jewelry and stuff like that. It's just mm-hmm. it's a good it's a good starting point for the movie. You know, you know what what's that coming through the door? And he says swamp gas. Mm. <laughs> That's just genius. I love it. I love it, man. I could just talk all day about it. I love it. <laughs> where, where, so what are your thoughts on, on the kid characters in part two? Now, yeah, that's my only um, thing is that I, I'm not opposed to children in horror movies at all. I just don't think that they, I don't think their acting was great at the time. I mean, they're kids. I mean, no, I, I don't, I, I don't mind the kids in this one because. Yeah, child acting is a hard, it's a hard thing to pull off in movies, especially genre ones. Because for me, like the worst case example of child acting in a genre movie is is Jake Lloyd from Episode One. You know, young. I'll Dan try spinning. That'll be a, that's a good trick. <laughs> yeah, that's like yeah. I mean, that's yeah. for me like the case example of bad acting. Whereas mm. in Part Two, I don't mind the acting from Michael Kenworthy and and Thor as you know the. The protagonist and antagonist, respectively. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't mind them, and I actually like how how resourceful um, Jesse is, because you know, like immediately yeah. when he sees, you know, he sees the number on the barrel, he's like, "We gotta call, we gotta call the army," you know. Yeah, yeah. He's not. He's not bullshitting around like you know, like 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 Bert, you know. Yeah, true, true. He's, he's straight on it. I quite yeah. Ken, um, Kenworthy. To be fair, you know, it, one thing that makes me laugh every time is. He's in the mausoleum. He's trying to get out through the roof, and then he falls through the through the um, the coffin, and he hits the deck, and then the, the body's there, and he's like, ah, and he leans up, and he goes, it's all right, it's just a bit of decay matter, and then the head turns, and I love the, it's genuine. It just goes, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it, because it seems genuine. It really does. Yeah. My uh, my favorite bit is um, a little later when they're, when they're trying to find a way out of the neighborhood from the zombies, and uh, he he goes to he tells his sister Lucy, "Do you want to die? They seem to like yeah. brains, so they'll leave you alone." I, was, I always thought that was a bit mean. That it's like you're in the middle of a, like a, a zombie apocalypse, and you're basically calling your sister stupid. <laughs> you know, he's a kid. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah, um, it's just it's. I tell you, the only I do think. Um, oh, I can't remember the guy's real name. Who uh, is it? Van oh, Thor? the bully, Thor Van Lingen. That was the one. That's him. Yeah. Um, some of his, some of his, 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 uh, the way his, di- it's not so much his dialogue, but the way he does it is a little bit, uh, you know. I mean, this some, was the some this, lines. Yeah, I mean, it was the only, only movie he ever did. Yeah, which yeah. that's got to be weird. It's like you're, you're this 12, 13 year old, and years later you're an adult, and it's just 
that just makes for a weird conversation he's like yeah i was in a horror movie once i, I played i played a, a zombie bully yeah yeah uh-huh. and then i just yeah and i some, will say some... I'll, I'll give part two this they had the gall to kill the kid have him come back as a zombie and in turn eat eat his mother's brains and then get killed yeah. later on yeah that's um that's, that's kind of yeah you're right it's kind of a brave move you know yeah but that's that's another thing as well is when we you know when billy turns and you know the mum comes back and goes oh and then you know he he go she goes to hug him and then he just goes brains and then has a bite it's the reaction of these people when they when it happens they're like oh <laughs> yeah just like oh. <laughs> yeah it's it's same with um <laughs> Same with uh oh god Joey's uh, girlfriend. What's the cow? What's it? What's Brenda? Brenda, that's it. Sorry, couldn't get, it. couldn't remember. Yeah. Brenda. She's a bit like oh right, okay, that's how it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a running theme in this movie. It's weird. It's funny. Yeah. I like it, man. I like it. Uh, no. Spe- speaking of the characters, um, you know mm. we have we have we have one in the form of Doc Mandel, and I was wondering oh. what do you think what do you think of him. Yeah, man. I think Doc's great. Yeah, yeah. I um, it's a shame actually. I mean, I love um Doc Mandel. I love the guy who, who played him. He's no longer with us, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but it's a shame because Don Calfer uh, um did originally try an audition for the role of Doc Mandel before. Yeah. It, that's it. Philip Bruns. That's that's who who got the part. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a shame because Don Calfer didn't get it because that would have been. That would have been something else. And we're actually recording this on Don Calfer's would have been his birthday. Oh, wow. Today. So, uh, yeah, I thought I'd mention that. So, yeah. happy heavenly birthday to Don Calfer. I, I definitely do wonder what could have been had Calfer been cast as Mandel. On the <sighs> one hand, it would it would some people have said it would have been then would have made it too similar because you have because you have these three back and insane mm. but different roles. But on the other hand, I think Alpha definitely could have brought a broad can be expense to the character like Phil Brunstead because if you've seen Weekend at Bernie's, you know oh, he yeah. he can do he can do slapstick and he can do it well. Oh yeah, Weekend at Bernie's is amazing. Yeah. Uh, but um, but, with, but with that said, I do like Phil Bruns as, as Doc Mandel and how just like throughout the whole movie, he's not bugged out by the fact that there you know there are zombies running loose that he he can't find a drink anywhere. It's when he's he's waiting in the um in the uh oh, what is it the uh, uh the substation the electrical substation he's waiting yeah. with the walkie talkies and he opens the drawer and he's like <laughs> and he sees the bottle and he's like well hello yeah <laughs> and it's when he's like putting it back and he's going ah what the hell I'll I'll, I'll open it. I'll drink it he didn't yeah. he didn't get to do it in the end did he he had smashed it over Billy's head in the mm-hmm. end but it's. Yeah, you know, he's great to be fair. I do I do like Doc Mandel. And the fact that um, you know, no one drives this car but me. Move over. You know, everything every line he he has is mm-hmm. is pretty damn good. Now now you're saying about Don Calfer, you know, he what he wanted to play a role in this film and he never got he never got past the audition process. I'd be quite happy to have everyone from part one, but everyone play someone different. So yeah. for me It'd be too obvious if you had uh, Beverly Randolph, who played Tina, to play Brenda. It'd be too obvious. Mm-hmm. She'd be good as Jesse's uh, sister. Yeah, that would I work. Could buy it. 
Yeah, so yeah, you I... could do that with everyone. You could mix everyone up. You know, you could have. Uh... Yeah, I think it would have been interesting, like if they had brought back the whole cast. Like, yeah, if they if they were all just like instead of instead of punks, they were now just like neighbors living in this housing development that's still being yeah. built. They just sort of had to like band together to get out alive. Yeah, that would have worked. Yeah. Oh man, that would have been good. It would have been good. Yeah. It's one. It's one Which, of the things. I so I'd mentioned earlier about. Um, Ken Weirhorn reached out to Dan O'Bannon. So mm-hmm. as he was going to make this movie, Ken Weirhorn reached out to Dan O'Bannon to seek his blessing. And O'Bannon right. was perf- was perfectly fine with him doing Return of the Dead Part 2. And interestingly enough, one of the ideas he had suggested to Ken was to bring back the whole cast in different roles. Oh, right. So that was the case, right? Yeah, but but you know, ultimately that ended up not being the case. All oh, right, that's a shame. That's a shame. Well, that's that's cool. That was um one of um Dan's suggestions. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, a shame it didn't come to pass. But there you go. So there you go. The um, yeah, one of the one of the um, some of the. I tell you what I noticed today. Now I've only got the DVD. I don't have the um the fancy blu-ray or anything like that for part two mm-hmm. i don't sure if there is a uk blu-ray i think there is but nothing special not nothing like the uh not arrow what's it or what screen factory the... screen factory there you go see the screen factory won't work here unless you've got a, a region free player which i don't have but um the adr on the dvd is not very good it is not is that the same on on a Blu-ray? Is it not been cleaned well, up? The, like that, you know? Well, no, it's with the Blu-ray. It has the original audio, and then it has the DVD audio. Right. And right. I'm about to explain why that's prob- probably the case, why the DVD turned out the way it did. But keep going. Right. Okay. Well, obviously, some of the... with the, All right. Some scenes you can tell it's, it, there's overdubbed ADR. You can, you can hear it. You know, it changes almost in tone. you've got one line and then the next line sounds like an over recording. You can tell. Mm -hmm. And the worst, the worst thing, I think the worst scene where it happens is when Joey takes a bite out of Brenda's head, because what she says is not what comes out of her mouth. She doesn't even speak. And then afterwards, when that scene's finished and they're driving in the shot, next shot and them driving in the ambulance, Mm -hmm. I think it's the ambulance. Yeah. It's still playing. It's still playing of yeah. her getting her head munched. It's like, oh no, this is awful. I went back today and I rewound it and went, is is that right? Is I is there is there a glitch in my DVD or or is is that how it is? And I went back and it played again. And I was like, oh, my god, that's how it is. Yeah. So that's one thing I wanted to ask you because you might know more than the so. So here's what happens. So after they finished the movie, Tom Fox hired a composer to do the music. Uh, this composer. As far as his background goes, he was the, based on what's said in the book, he was an arranger for some other composer, but otherwise had no music experience. And he ended up composing this score that, according to Ken Weirhorn, was just awful. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And so Ken's, you know, he's editing and and mixing the music into the movie. And it's just, you know, for him, it's just like, man, this music sucks. And if we release it with this music, it's going to tank the movie. So he reached out right. to the, so he reached out to the president of Lormar basically saying, "Hey man, we got to redo this music because if we release it as is, it's it's going to do nothing at the box office." And fortunately, 
the president of Walmart agreed, and they hired J. Peter Robinson to compose the music that ended up on you know releasing with the movie, and you know ended up on VHS and later Blu-ray. Uh, right. Fast for the DVD. I think what happened was Warner Brothers got a got used a print of the movie that has the original rejected score. Right, I see. Okay. Hmm. And and rather than and rather than fix it, you know, re-release it with the 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 audio that should be there, they just kept it as is. Um, because I remember on the uh, part two commentary during the. You really notice the, the change in music with like during the zombie scene because in the yeah. zombie scene it's just like this really god awful synth garbage, um, right? And I remember that and during that bit, Ken's like, "There's something wrong with this music. It sounds similar, but also it also sounds misplaced." Yeah. Um. But yeah, because on the on the DVD, if you switch it to the French to the French audio, you get you get the J. Peter Robinson music that plays during that scene. Well, that is interesting. Well, I'll be doing that after we do this episode. And so, (laughs) yeah, and yeah, so, so for years, you know, if you wanted to hear the original music, you had to buy a VHS copy. But yeah, luckily in 2018, Screen Factory re released part two on Blu ray and it had the JP Robinson music in addition to the the DVD audio. If if you're a sucker for torture, Um, (laughs) yeah. I looks like that's that's me then. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'll um I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. So how how would that intertwine with the ADR of the like the well the ADR is, is much better and the uh with the mm-hmm. J with the J Peter version. The ADR is much better because like during during the bit where Brenda uh gets her brains eaten, there isn't the weird uh desync of you know, I think she says take me baby or something like that. Yeah, that's the right, yeah, um, yeah, which is weird. <laughs> But yeah, it's um, but yeah, the the audio is perfectly in sync. And like when it cuts to the ambulance, that you know her 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 screams cut off, and right, yeah, right. it's just every, every everything sounds right in in the J. Peter version. I I just think that with the the reject version, it's just clear that like <laughs> Ken's just editing. He's just like, man, it's just mm, this music just sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, bloody hell. Um, <laughs> And it is interesting, I guess, let's go ahead and talk about the music of part two. So, mm-hmm. you know, with part part one, part one had the great punk soundtrack. And with, yeah. part, with part two, they they try, they try to emulate it, but they lead more into heavy metal, which makes sense because heavy metal was in, was in at the time and, and punk music was, was out. And yeah. I know some people are big on part two soundtrack, but I, but I honestly really enjoy part two's music it's a lot more Mm -hmm. i'd say it's a lot more easy uh easily digestible than part one's music because for me whenever i want to listen to like you know party time or burn the flames i have to be in like uh of the right mindset to listen to it it's not just something Mm -hmm. i I can listen to casually because if somebody's passing by then they might be like what's he saying what's uh what's that guy singing about burn the flames higher and higher and higher (laughs) Whereas, yeah. whereas with part two's music, you know, you have artists like Julian Cope, Leather Wolf, uh, Robert Palmer. I just find that that soundtrack just more easily digestible. You know, it's just something I can I can look up on YouTube and listen to at any time. Whereas mm. again, with part one's music, I have to be in that right mindset. 
Yeah, I, I I get what you're saying. I think, I mean, I love, I, I like the second soundtrack. I don't listen to it as much as the first because the first to me is, is unbelievably legendary. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the second one, you've got Anthrax twice <laughs> on the soundtrack. And that's, that's great. You know, as a metalhead, that's like, yes, I love Anthrax. Well, um, you know what's funny is that um, mm-hmm. I'm the man is listed on the soundtrack, but it's nowhere in the movie. No, no, I like to say, I have yeah. I have to assume it was meant for a scene at some point, but that scene got cut out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, like I say, I watched it twice in the last two days, and it's definitely not in there. I don't even know where. I think the horror of it all and that, ADI. It, um, that, I mean, that plays so that plays during that? the scene where they're throwing out uh. Brain, brains from the truck as they're driving down ah, the street. Right, right, okay. It, also, it right. also plays on the DVD version. It plays during the um, the the escape from the suburbs and, and Doc's car. And the Jay Peter version, it's it's flesh to flesh by Joe Lamont. Ah, right, okay. Man, you really know your stuff on part two. You're the perfect person to have on for part two, really. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm I'm some I'm something of a a, a part two a, apologist. I can't say yeah. a same without about three, but that's another episode. See, you shouldn't say apologies because you know it's it's still it, yeah you, you know the term um, guilty pleasure, yeah yeah. I I hate that term because why should you have to justify that you like something to anyone? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You know, I think I think it was Dave Grohl who said that like you know he basically said fuck guilty pleasures. If you like, you know, whatever, you know, if you, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and I, it's awful, but I love Freddy's Dead part mm-hmm. six. I love it because I saw it in the cinema. It was the first film, first Freddy film I saw in the cinema. And a lot of people feel like, oh, it's a guilty pleasure. It's like, oh, I know I shouldn't like it. No, you like it. You like it. Fuck what anyone else thinks. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's. So yeah, yeah, you're not you're not an apologist. You just you're just a um a part two enthusiast. We'll oh yeah, we'll call you that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll rename you that. <laughs> yeah, definitely, um, definitely. As far as as far as issues with the movie goes, what would you say are your big issues with Return of the Living Dead Part Two? Okay, biggest issues for me is uh, some of the. Um, well, I mean, I've talked about a couple of them, like obviously the ADR, but that's not a major issue or anything like that. For me, it's the biggest thing is the comedy and mm-hmm. the pu- the push of the, not the comedy, but the push of the comedy where yeah. we are putting the comedy at the front here. We are, we are, we are blatantly a comedy movie and we're throwing some horror in between. Whereas obviously with the first, it was a horror movie. And the situations made it comedy. Mm-hmm. This they're, they're pushing for the comedy, and it's good comedy, but you can see it's pushed. That's that's the thing. Right. You can see they're 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 over. Like look 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 look, guys, we're going to do the comedy bit ready now. You know it's 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 too in your face in a sense. You know mm-hmm. um, that's probably right. my biggest thing, really. But it's not a it's not a bad thing. It's not really a I, I got nitpicks, but they're not that bad because, yeah, you know, there's, there's there's way worse. I mean, you know, the sequels, you know, after that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about you? What about I th- you? I think my main issue, I definitely agree with you on the comedy because I think there's some stuff in it that's really funny, and then yeah. also some stuff that's that's kind of eye rolling, like 
like mm. the like the Michael Jackson zombie. Like it, it's a funny little bit, but it's also like you can tell this is like just a throw it in moment. Just like all right, you're dressed up as Michael Jackson. Get out there, dance and die. Yeah, yeah. It it doesn't serve the story, does it? Not that, not that it's you know it. Like you say, last minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I but get like, but, but for me, my biggest issue with part two is just um, how how it's all played safe. Because mm. the beauty of mm. part the beauty of part one was how unpredictable it was. Where it's you know, especially when you get towards the end, where it seems like, well, maybe there's a chance that they'll some of them will survive, but then the new comes and it's like, oh well, oh yeah. well. Um, part one wasn't afraid wasn't afraid to take risk, and I think that's part two's biggest shortcoming is just again how safe it's played. You compare it to the first one, there was there was no there was no hope. And then you get to part yeah. two, and they they find out, oh, le- electricity does the zombies in. Well, we just gotta lure them to the power plant and electrocute them all. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Very safe. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think. I, yeah. I think I would have preferred maybe if like one or one or two characters died. I think the big one for me is like if they had brought back after after Ed and Joey turned to zombies. And brought them back and and paid off their characters in some way, even if it is just have them at the power plant to get electrocuted with the other zombies. That's fun. Yeah. But not having that payoff and instead just having them disappear because, because God, I don't know. They're um, zombies. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it, it just makes it that that extra bit un, unsatisfying knowing that there's no payoff with those two characters. Yeah, true. And I I always harken back is when I see um James Cameron as Ed and he's in the street and he's he's eating the, the head of the, the marine mm-hmm. and then he goes back for a second bit. I always harken back to the mate the More Brains documentary where he said in the first one he goes, I don't want to be out there in the rain, you know, yeah. eating brains. You know, that's why they came up with the the, the you know, using the the retort and you know cremating himself. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he gets to part two, and yes, he's a different character, but they get to part two, and he's doing what he said he didn't want to do in part one. It always is a bit like, oh, it's such a shame. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. and I, I'd say that. as far as nitpicks go, this one has always stuck with me. But it's like, how the hell did the military manage to evacuate the whole town off screen and somehow <laughs> overlook the subdivision? <laughs> You know, I mean, I can understand that it's implied that the suburb is like, <laughs> you good? Yeah, no, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, there's no one there. There's nobody. I mean, it, I mean, sense. on the one hand, it's like it suggested that the, the subdivision, for one, it's still in construction and it's mm-hmm. on like the far edge of town. So yeah. I, I can I can I can get that. But still, at the same time, it's like you're telling me that. While all that stuff was going on in the suburbs, the military was just running around town. All right, you guys, get get the fuck out of here. Well, why? <laughs> Plague. Uh, okay. Um, but yeah. And that's the other thing is like when they do get to town, it doesn't look like empty as you would picture it. Like, you know, car cars all askew and like doors left open. Whatnot. It's all very neat and tidy. And for me, yeah. that's just like, yeah, you can tell they're, they're shooting it in, in, in California late at night. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never really put that uh, two and two together there. Yeah, you're right. It is very like, how is the whole town gone? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but other than that, like I said, I've really, 
like I said, I've warmed up the part two over the years. And mm. and truth be told, mm. I've always wondered, like, if I had seen part two not long after after part one, would, have, would I have liked it more? You know, back when I was a kid and saw the first one. I think I would say yes, just because, you know, it's more light, it's more lighthearted and like, and, you know, there's a happy ending compared to the, the first one. Um, but, but as a result of not seeing it until years later, it's, you know, like I said, I didn't, I didn't like it at first, you know, I was like, eh, it's not, but then, but then over the years, it's, uh, it's just, it's grown on me and yeah. I appreciate yeah. it for what it is. And, you know, now I'm like, because you know, I run the two Returnal Dead Facebook pages, and you know, yeah, the part two fan page. You know, we've 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 had like a couple of crew, you know, a couple of like crew members, like F FX artists, and you know, people who are zombies join and you know, share behind the scenes stories. Yeah, saw that. Yeah, the guy who doubled for Billy, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 saw that. Yeah, well, as like you saying, you know, if you'd seen it back to back back then would you have think it you know would you have loved it even more or whatever well for me i did uh, i can answer that because i did see part one young and then i did see part two not long after so yeah and i always like to it was only as i've got older have i kind of gone ah there's a few problems with it i think i've gone the other way around i like to i like i like one love one um love to and then as as i've got older i've gone oh my god one's amazing and i realized one is is amazing and then two i've gone yeah yeah it's good it's good but there's a few things yeah so other way around for me but, mm-hmm. um yeah let's talk about the facebook page because that's that's oh man that's that's huge you know you've got like you say you've got how many how many people follow that page now at the oh. moment it's it's on the verge of and probably already hit but it's at 1900 members Nice. Um, which is Brilliant. I think part of it has to do with like I shared a picture recently of a um of a of a cardboard cutout uh oh, that was yeah. done for Return of Dead Part Two. It was it was an Australian only thing, but yeah, I I saw the picture in another group and I was like, Oh, that's cool. So I you know I saved the copy and I mm-hmm. you know, I, I shared it in the group and it just it went it viral. <laughs> I was shocked, <laughs> like almost two thousand likes, and I'm like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, you, now cardboard standees are big. They are big business. They yeah. are not big business, shall we say, as in collectible. They are huge. I remember back in the day seeing an, a standee for aliens, and it was a xenomorph. Mm-hmm. You know, the the one that you know the door poster, the famous yeah. door poster. Well, it was just the alien, um, no door, and it was a cardboard standee in my in my local video shop. Mm-hmm. I should I should have put my name down for it because you know things like that are so collectible and with that part two being you know I I hadn't seen that standee before since you know I saw it in the group and I, I some some guy uh, CC CCH Planet CCH who I follow on my Instagram page yeah. he shared it as well and his his comments were just like oh my god because no one had seen like anything like that before and it's a yeah. film from 1988 you know. Mm-hmm. How has someone kept that in that great condition? A bit like the um, the poster ceramic, uh, the statue model. Yeah, hard yeah. to come by, man. Mm, that's like, by. I mean, as far as Return of the Living Dead collectibles go, that's like that's my white whale. The grail. Yeah, you that's know. the Grail, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and I'll I'll say this about you know, say what you will about part two, but I think we can all agree that its poster is a thing of beauty. I'm looking at it right now. 
it's I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm looking at the front of the DVD cover. I do have the poster as well, just not on the walls. But yeah, that yeah. that poster arc art is 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 amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, some people say, "Oh, well, it's just it's just ripping off Fright Night. It's doing the you know, the scary face in the clouds. It's just ripping off Fright Night's poster." I say, "Shut up! It's a great poster." It's, it's even if it is similar, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> who cares? Have you seen the other version with the real nose? Um, I've I've seen. Uh, I know it's a, there's a picture of it in the Return of the Dead uh, book. Um, mm-hmm. I prefer the noseless one. Yeah, totally proper um, zombie look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The nose looks weird. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't look right. You're like, it's got a real nose. It's like if it's not if it hasn't got the a noseless, then it 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 looks like a zombie. If it's got a nose, it looks just like a, just just looks like a face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, the poster is something else. You know, the more we're talking about it, the more I'm I'm enjoying it more. Yeah. You know, I I like I say, watched it recently and enjoyed it both times. And even even with the things that you know are are there, but I'm like, yeah, man, this is just a fun ride all the way through. It is a fun ride. My like, and like you though, I'm the same. I really would like to see a conclusion to to. Uh, Tom Matthews and and James mm-hmm. Cameron's characters. I would have loved to have seen that. I mean, I'm I'm currently writing. I'm a bit slow on the mark, but I'm currently writing a. Um, it was going to be a comic book, but a friend of mine, Steve, who who was drawing it, we've just we've just haven't had the time to finish it. So I'm doing it as a story on Wattpad, and it's I don't know if I spoke about this on the last episode, and it's um. No, okay. So I'll, I'll I'll go into it briefly with you. So basically, I had a dream that I was watching Return of Living Dead, but it wasn't Return of Living Dead. It was Creepshow. Okay. But it was the same film. You know what I mean? It was Return of Living Dead, though. Yeah. So so basically, James Karen and Tom Matthews, uh, Frank and Freddie were in it, but it was Creepshow. So it was the it was the segment where Stephen King's in it, and the meteorite hits comes to Earth, and it's got the green. Fur, if you yeah. remember, yeah, whatever. I can't remember the meteor shit. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. And in my dream, uh, Frank and Freddie were in that situation, and then it, it got a bit like, <coughs> excuse me, it got a bit like the beginning of Return of the Dead, where they do something and then it gets worse. And in my dream, that happened. They they managed to go to this uh, meteorite. It caused all sorts of. Um, chaos and i woke up from that dream thinking oh my god that was amazing oh why well, I, I need to write that story down so i wrote it down bullet points on a piece of paper and mm-hmm. then i was gonna do it as a comic and self-release it nothing major because it's obviously copyrighted characters but you know frank yeah. it was going to be called frank and freddie versus the meteorite so fast forward comic was coming out i'm not sure it might still do in the future but i'm actually writing that as a, a short story on Wattpad, so it so people can read it online. But okay. I've got a second episode where it's Frank and Freddy versus the Mummy, <laughs> so they're gonna they're basically gonna unearth <laughs> um, a ancient mummy in a pyramid, uh-huh. and they're gonna run. And their characters are gonna run into Joey and Ed. Okay. <laughs> But they're going to be like, "Holy shit, you look like me!" And you know, it's gonna—that's how the the comedy yeah. is gonna gonna happen. But I always wanted to keep Joey and Ed for 
the second episode of like, the book or the comic or whatever because mm-hmm. I love I love their characters. I think they're great. I mean, there's so many nods to part one that they do by themselves. James Car- um, character Ed says, I'm going to get me cremated. That's how, you know, yeah. and it's a nod to the first, isn't it? It's a beautiful mm-hmm. nod to the first one. And then, of course, there's, um, you know, watch his tone if you like this job. Like this job. Mm-hmm. He says it again, doesn't he? Like this job. <laughs> it's just well, genius. Yeah, yeah, love it. Love it. Now, this would, yeah. at this point, this would, some would say this would mark the end of our part two discussion, but. No. There's something I want to discuss, and that is the Return of the Living Dead Part Two script, which I own. Yes. Um, if if anybody didn't watch the last episode, I told a story about how I how I acquired a co- an original copy of the Part Two script. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first joined a the the main Return of the Living Dead fan page on Facebook, one of the first mm-hmm. posts I asked was I made was I remember asking does anybody own any unique Return of the Dead memorabilia. And a guy commented he owned a copy of the original script. And I replied, cool. And then he replied, would you be interested in it? And mm. I was like, ooh. And I DM'd him. And he offered me a price for it and a copy of the of Return of the Dead 2's electronic press kit. Which is basically just like a little pro- promo tape with like behind the scenes material, trailers, clips, etc. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't buy it at the time because at the time I was a starving college student. So I held, mm-hmm. I held off on it for the better part of a year. And once I had the funds, I, I bought the script and press kit from him. And then after waiting a few weeks, it arrived in the mail, and I opened the script and just started combing through it like an archaeologist, taking <laughs> note of any unused dialogue or scenes that then make it into the movie. And right. suffice to say, there was a fair bit um, that ended up on the cutting room floor. Now, I don't know if any of this stuff was shot or and it was just unused, because unlike Return of the Living Dead, where you know, the work, you know, there's a work print out there you can watch yeah. that has deleted scenes and a different ending, there's no Return of the Dead part two work print that has like deleted or extended scenes. Right. Yeah. All, all we have is a copy of the script. So I'm going I'm not going to highlight everything cuz if we do we'll be here for like 3 hours. Um, but <laughs> right. I do I do want to highlight some big scenes and the first one I want to go over is Tarman's death. Yes, we haven't spoke about that, of course. Yeah. As, as many will know, try try to find it. Hold on. Um, there isn't enough Tarman in part two, man. Yeah, he, not as, as many people know, Tarman shows up in part two, but it's a glorified cameo. And at the mm. end of his, at the end of uh, that scene, he's pushed, he's pushed into the the creek below, and that's mm-hmm. the last we see of him. However, right. however, in the script, he had the death scene. Um, oh right, okay. So we're at the start of the scene in the script, and I'm just going to re- read through. You can. And you and the those who are listening later on can listen and visualize the scene in their head. Right. So, okay. Go for it. Jesse gets close to the mouth of the drain and puts on painter's goggles. He ties a cloth around his mouth and nose. Then he leans over into the drain and shines the flashlight inside. The drum lies on its side, one end open. 
a slimy black-green liquid slowly leaking out. Jesse moves the light around and finds the lettering, but the last two digits aren't visible. He gets up and moves closer. The camera dollies in to the gaping open mouth of the drum. It's empty. Whatever was, was in it is... gone. Finally, Jesse gets close enough to see the numbers, but the painter's goggles have steamed up. He can't see through them. He lifts them up onto his forehead as he writes the numbers down. He steps in something sticky and notices the black-green slime on the ground next to the drum. A trail of it leads away into the storm drain itself. Jesse follows the trail of black-green liquid with the flashlight. The stuff smears as it disappears into the bowels of the drain. Something moves in there. Jesse stiffens. I knew it. I just knew it. Something starts to shuffle forward out of the shadows. First, we see its feet. Then the rest of it comes into the light. It's the body that was in the tank. It's a skeleton covered with black, tarry glop. It speaks in a raw, vomitous voice. Brains. Brains. It moves towards Jesse, reaching for him. Jesse spins around, slides in the muck. The goggles slip down over his eyes. He can't see through them. The thing makes a grab for him, but he stumbles out of reach. Jesse runs toward the water, still unable to see. Tarman pursues. Jesse pulls at the goggles, gets them off just in time to stop at the edge of the ditch, step out of the way, and let Tarman plunge into the water. The creature struggles to stay afloat. The water starts to steam around him. The black glob begins to dissolve, and Tarman himself seems to come apart as he slowly sinks deeper into the water. Jesse is transfixed. Sully snaps out of it and runs like hell. Tarman disappears from sight into the bubbling froth. Several ragged pieces of clothing pop to the surface and flow peacefully. Wow. That's now that would have that would have worked, man. Mm-hmm. So he basically melts when he hits the water. That's what they basically was were coming Yeah. At. Yeah, basically, you know, Wicked Witch, Wizard of Oz, I'm melting, uh, I'm melting. Uh you know, that would have worked, man. Because yeah, I mean I don't know if a normal, you know, sewage water would would dissolve a, a zombie. I don't know if that would work, but yeah, I, I mean, what, it being what... tar man, given how he's a slowly rotting skeleton, you know, maybe yeah. That's, but still, so it's a it's a cool little bit, and it just why it wasn't shot, I don't know. From from what I remember on the on the documentary, um, Alan Trautman recalls it was basically a a, a one and done type of deal, so. They probably didn't yeah. have enough time and money to shoot his death scene and film the effects of the tar man falling apart and whatnot. Yeah, because I just saw that on the documentary. He basically said, like, you know, they want you when you when you get pushed, you know, have your arms fr- fr- frailing, uh, flailing around because we don't want you looking like a dummy. So obviously he didn't because he got pushed, and before you know it, he's he's in straight in the drink. So he's like, I can do that again. They're like, no, 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 we're fine. We've got it. So yeah, it's probably the same, same thing, isn't it? That you know, we we've got the shot. We can't afford um, keep rolling. Like you say, can we dehorn busy? <clears throat> so, mm-hmm. but no, that's really good because like you, you know, once he's in the water, you don't see him again. You're like, oh, but yeah, I've got to say. Um, it's a good little fact to know. That's really good because I, I like to say I never I never heard of that before. It's nice to to have that kind of information. Mm-hmm. The look the look of Tarman though, 
what's going on? Yeah, well, from what from what Kate Myers says in the documentary and on a special feature on the Blu-ray, it was just yeah. a case of he um he straight he strayed too far from from the design, largely yeah. because of the powers that be. But mm-hmm. but as a result, he didn't have time to polish and refine the new design. And I think yeah. in the close-up, it, it looks fine. But when but when you know it it zooms out and it's, and it's Alan Troutman in the suit, um, it just looks like uh you know some some guy's Tarman costume. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing as well is is like it's it's Tarman. You know, how can it be Tarman? <laughs> in a drum you know what i mean if you're gonna be i know you've got completely different you got the same character same actors playing different characters although i don't know you see because the only link you've got to the very to the first movie and i mean it is a literal link is colonel glover Mm -hmm. jonathan terry reprises his role as colonel glover yeah and he actually says uh jesus christ not again so it's 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 telling you that like this has happened before so, technically, there shouldn't be another time. And maybe, do you know what? It could have been. It's, I mean, in the script, it's a, just described as a, as a body in the drum. So it doesn't have to be a time, I suppose. Yeah. 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 But no, that's, that's, that's great to find that out because that would have been a great, um, a good practical effect to see, isn't it? You know, if they can, Kenny Myers can pull off all those, you know, practical effects and stuff like that. It would have been good to see him melt mm-hmm. in the water. That would have been good. So the next scene I want to highlight is the hospital scene where the, the corpse gets shot in half. Because mm-hmm. um, whereas that scene is, is very streamlined and, and simplified in the final version, the original version was a lot more elaborate and action-packed. Um, right. Okay. And there's it was it was much longer, it played out much longer in the in the script uh, than, than it does in the movie. So mm-hmm. I want to start. This is page 70 and i'm going to start from the bottom half so the elevator doors open and jesse steps out into the subterranean corridor uh, subterranean corridor sealing a mass of pipes snaking all around he looks Mm -hmm. in both directions seeking some sense for which way to go when he hears the familiar static of a shortwave radio he run he runs down the corridor toward it the camera holds on a basement window high up on the wall Behind the dirty glass, we can see a figure looking down into the corridor. Jesse turns a corner and sees the two-way radio setup, the one that ties the hospital into the ambulances and the police. It's inside a window-walled room. The door is ajar. He goes in. Jesse touches a control knob, spins it. It's the tuner. Nothing but static. Jesse picks up the microphone when he hears the sound of breaking glass. He quickly closes the door and shuts off the light, but the room is still exposed through the glass windows. Footsteps coming closer. Jesse squeezes down between some filing cabinets and holds still. Uh, let's see, and then there's a bit where it, from there it cuts back to um, uh, the the other characters that are above on the main floor talking about mm-hmm. Joey Ed's condition. So we're fast over. Okay, through the glass, Jesse sees it: a miserable-looking corpse, <laughs> mostly intact. It stops, cocks its head like it's listening, but no, it's smelling brains it turns and looks right into the communications room comes closer to the glass and sees jesse hiding there an expression of deep and utter longing sweeps across the corpse's face brains with sudden frenzied energy the corpse smashes the glass jesse jumps to his feet shrivels against the wall and pulls the magnum from his belt 
He assumes the classic police firing stance, legs spread, both hands on gun. Okay, you mother. He pulls the trigger. Bam. The kick knocks J- Jesse backwards. He loses his balance and falls to the ground. So that's that's how it pretty much plays out in, in the movie, as we know. Uh, yeah. From there, it, it gets different. Let's see. Okay. Then suddenly it moves, starts to sit up. Jesse can't believe it. The corpse looks at him. He runs down the hallway to the elevator, but it's not there. The doors are closed. The corpse gets to its feet. The hallway dead ends. There's a door. Jesse goes for it. Jesse slams the door shut, looks around. There's a whole wall of refrigerated drawers. This is the morgue. The corpse pushes against the door. Too strong for Jesse. He backs to the other center of the room. The corpse bursts in. He doesn't know what to do. Then he sees instruments spread out next to an examination slab. He grabs the biggest scalpel and retreats again to the wall of drawers. The corpse advances. Jesse frankly looks around. He sees the handle on a drawer and pulls it out. The body of an old woman lies on the tray. Jesse points at the cadaver's head and motions to the corpse. Look, brains! Brains? Yeah, that's right. Over here. He motions some more to the body in the tray and slowly backs away, making room for the corpse. The corpse steps closer to see what's in there. Jesse slides along the wall toward the door. The corpse is going for it. It's actually interested in the body, grabs the head, is about to take a bite, when suddenly the corpse looks from the cadaver back up to Jesse. Fresh brains. It drops the old woman's body and takes off after Jesse. Jesse leaps for the door. Jesse careens out into the hallway, but there are already several more corpses blocking his way. He turns back. The first corpse falls out of the morgue. He's trapped. The corpse starts to close in on him when kaboom! Kaboom! The first corpse is literally blown in two. Lucy steps out from the elevator, her shotgun smoking. Tom's right behind her. He fires into the other corpses. The torso half of the first corpse struggles on the ground, but the legs and hips still stand upright. They begin to walk right into the wall. Everyone stares at the legs in disbelief as they bounce off the wall and head off in another direction, only to hit the wall on the other side and lurch off once again. The corpse torso rights itself. It sees Jesse, starts to drag itself toward him, first slowly, then faster as its hands slap against the linoleum floor. Lucy sees it, but she's reloading. Tom, shoot it! Tom raises his pistol, takes aim, and fires. The corpse torso is hit, flips over, and almost without a pause, pulls itself up again. Jesus! He tries to fire again, but another corpse, a rotted and very decomposed one, attacks from the side, grabbing him. Tom fires at close range, but to no effect. They lose balance and fall to the floor, Tom coming down heavily on top of the corpse and crushing it flat. The corpse torso makes another run at Jesse and is able to grab him with one hand. It pulls itself up toward his head. Lucy steps up close, Jams the shotgun barrel into the corpse's chest and fires. The corpse torso is blown clear across the room, but the arm still grabs Jesse. Lucy struggles with it, finally pulls it off, but now it grabs her. Jesse takes his scalpel and slices at the corpse's arm, cutting through the tendons until it begins to release its grip on his sister. Meanwhile, Tom sees more corpses coming his way. He fires into them, then clicks on an empty chamber. He takes the pistol and smashes into a glass case on the wall. He grabs the fire axe and swings it into the advancing corpses. Okay, from there, it's just, it's a little more action. And then, let's see, at the end. Okay. The corpse torso makes one last effort, 
pulling itself with its one arm toward the door, trying to squeeze through. Tom kicks it back out, and the door closes. The camera holds on the corridor of moving and twitching body parts. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Way more jam-packed, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even, like, the bit that made my ears go up even more was like, you know, here, go for these brains. And it was like, it, it went to go over to those brains. It's like, wow. <clears throat> and then it was like, no, fresh brains. You know, mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah. Different, yeah. man. Yeah. I, I'm not sure why that scene ultimately got as truncated as I, as it did. I know mm-hmm. they definitely at one point were going to shoot it because I was at a horror convention last year and I met Marsha Dietlin and Michael Kenworthy, who played the brother and sister in part two. Oh, and, right. and I brought my script with them uh, for them to sign. And they were both both impressed that it was an original copy. And mm-hmm. I brought up the hospital scene to them and neither of them could recall why it was why it was chopped down. Or, or simple, or barely put, just simplified to what it was mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, right. Marsha actually showed me an old behind-the-scenes photo of her being fitted for the bit where the zombie arm grabs her and tries to choke her. Um, oh, right, okay. So it definitely was going. It definitely was going to be shot at one point, but I guess either because of time or money, uh, mm. it, it ended up uh, ended up being simplified for the sake of you know we got to keep production going. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, man. That, that. I mean, that's a good. It's a good scene, anyway. It's one of them. It's one of them scenes I remember from the VHS days mm-hmm. that I remembered. I always remembered the 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 zombie getting up on its hands, which I was always really impressed with. And it's obviously a person who doesn't have legs to yeah. play that role because mm-hmm. it, it clearly is a person, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that scene always did stick in my head. So the fact that that would have been longer would have been nice. Would have been nice, but you know, you know these how the how movies go and things scenes get cut and shopping room floor and all that. You know, mm-hmm. interesting man, interesting. I guess Excellent. the last the last thing worth mentioning in the script is what becomes of Ed and Joey because as we know in the movie oh. they just disappear. Oh, well, does, it go, does it elaborate on that? Does it? Oh, <laughs> well, this may shock you. But even in the script, they disappear. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it shocked me, too, because no. I was as I was flipping through the script the first time, it was just like, wait a minute, they still disappear in the script? Did, did Ken think no one would notice? Ah, oh, such a shame. I was hoping you'd have, like, oh, and, you know, there'd be some, some like, you know, perfect end to their zombie trails. But, ah, well, it's one of those. Yeah, shame, man, shame. Yeah, I, I um, guess, and I, and I will mention this about um, the scene where Ed becomes a zombie. It's actually a little bit more graphic in the script versus how it plays out in the movie. I'll go ahead and right. I'll go ahead and read that bit. Um, let's see. So yeah, see so if you can uh, find that see. one. Okay. The three soldiers <laughs> look at her queerly. Les is the first to move backwards. Okay, Sarge, let's push along, don't you think? Oh uh, yeah, boy. Oh yeah, move it out, boys. Wait, no, I can explain. It's okay, Lee. We read you. We'll send the medics. Close on Ed. His agonized face suddenly relaxes. He sees the soldiers. Ed throws himself at Les, grabs him from behind, and takes a huge bite out of Les's skull. Brenda screams. Les's body jerks in a death spasm, his hands scratching at the open wound, trying to stuff the brains back into his head as he staggers backwards and collapses onto the street. Frank reels with horror 
Ed turns to them and smiles, blood dripping from his mouth. Ed, Ed, quit it! The two soldiers pull out their sidearms and open fire. Ed is hit with a fusillade of bullets. Blood, flesh, splatter everywhere. Ed flails backwards, flips onto the ground. Bullets continue to rip and tear into his body. Smoke curls up from the soldiers' guns. Metal casings fly into the air, rain onto the street. Wow. Yeah. That was way that is way more, like you say, way more graphic. He's trying to put his brains back in his head. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, oh, shame. Another one of those shame scenes that would have worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there and there's some other stuff, but uh if you want to know more about the original script, I mm-hmm. actually wrote an article for those listening, I wrote an article on, on my old website, Gamer Guys Reviews, they can find with a quick Google search. Just shoot just you know, Google return the living dead to delete scenes, and you should be able to find it. All right, okay. Well, I'll put a link to your YouTube channel in the uh, episode, in the in the show notes anyway, so people can find their way to you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, don't spoil it all, because then they can go on and have a look and go on your channel and check it out, can't they? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The, the definitely, website. Man. No, man, I that's, that's, appreciate that. I'd like, nice to find out those facts, that some stuff I'd never known. That's really cool. Yeah, really and good. it's like out, out of all... And, as I said on the previous episode that I was on, um, out of all the the memorabilia that I own, which isn't a lot, but you know, still, um, I consider the script and electronic electronic press kit to sort of be the the holy grail of my of my collection. That's cool. Just because really cool. it's like it's it's original stuff. It's it's not a reprint, mm-hmm. and you know, it's like it's it's a it's a piece of horror history that I own, and you know, I have to take good care of. Yeah, man, you take take good care of that because that's you know, you know, you'll be buried with that, won't you? <laughs> well, I mean, when the day comes to have to pay for my kids' college fund, I'll be like, well, it was nice knowing you. Hello, <laughs> eBay. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. no. <laughs> no, uh, no. I, I won't do that. No, no, me. I'm gonna get myself cremated. <laughs> that's it. You're just worried yeah. some old creep's gonna come along and steal your head. Watch your tongue, boy, if you like this job. Like this job. Like this job. He does it twice. I love it. I love that. Oh, brilliant. Um, one of the other things uh I liked about the the nods to the the first in here was the dialogue from the operator of the special army emergency telephone line. It's word for word exactly the same yeah. as uh what Bert does. Yeah, it's interesting because they're because yeah, you know, it's it's Jesse Wilson and Lucy Wilson. Wilson. Um, yes. My 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 head theory has always been that like it was just Bert was their uncle because as as Frank said in the first one, Uncle Bert is paying for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he says it twice, doesn't he? He says it, you know, yeah, uh, he says it to him. And he goes, "Follow your uncle here," and then don't yeah. be stingy. Uncle Uncle Bert's paying for this. Is that very much? So yeah, I just I just like to think that you know maybe the parents after after that whole that whole incident they got they got money from Bert Bert's will and, and used that to buy the house and the subdivision. That's good, good, good subplot. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because I thought if he if he if they were the the children of Bert, that's why he's not there because he's he's recently blown up in the nuke. Yeah, it's it's, it's a different town. It's Westvale, isn't it? It's not. Yeah, Westvale. Uh, Louisville. Yeah. Not Louisville, so yeah, interesting, interesting. So, and of course, I, I mean, yeah, it's also like also go back to that first one. You know, it's like 
it, the ending pretty much implies the end of the world. But then it's like part yeah. two. It's like, oh, that that didn't happen. And yeah, and my well, my theory, my head can has always been that they just they were able to cover up the Louisville incident. <laughs> but um, as as Frank said in the opening, Returnal and Dead, they changed all the facts around. They changed all the facts around. Yeah, I like to think of it as. Um, obviously, you've got the Colonel Glover link, which makes it kind of linked, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. I like to think of it as the ending of Evil Dead 2 and the opening of Army of Darkness, where the continuity is just well out, you know. Yeah. In the ending of 2, he's a hero. Beginning of 3, he's getting sent to his death. And it's not explained. And I, I like that. And I like to think that Part 2 and Part 1 have that same weird continuity a bit like the comic i'm doing frank and freddy survive yeah the, the 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 first movie it doesn't make sense because they were zombies and they died but mm-hmm. in my book they are just they're just driving in a truck and they're like just, you know what happened to us i don't know kid you know it, it just carries on i love it i love it yeah. Yeah. yeah so before we wrap up i have a little bit of trivia for you you may know this but i'm gonna see if you know this okay Okay, so at the end of the original VHS tape, there was a commercial for a number that you could call to order clothes from the movie. Did you know this? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's at the end of the uh, part two VHS. That's right, okay, that's right. Uh, It was a limited time offer from a company called Movie Tees, where you could order a white white tank top, a black or white t-shirt, and a black and white sweatshirt with three different designs. Imagine having a piece of that right now. Oh, they're that'd be amazing. I mean, they're out there on eBay, but they cost an arm and a leg. Yeah, that's or, what I mean. or, or in this case, a, a screwdriver and a head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I know that. Um, I do remember that. Uh, there was a t shirt company called Gutter Garbs. They actually did, oh, yeah. a, they did a reprint of those movie shirts a few years back. Unfortunately, they're it's out of print so. You can only get them like secondhand, but but yeah, they did a re- they did a reprint, and I remember I got a few of those shirts for Christmas, mm-hmm. and I'd wear them at, at work, and people would be like, "Wow, cool shirt!" I remember seeing that movie when I was a kid. I'm like, "Awesome!" Oh, that's brilliant. Well, I follow Gutter Gobs and and Fright Rags and Hell on Shirts and all these different ones, and they will repress them at some point. I guarantee oh, yeah. it. Yeah, they. I'm it's, just it's getting me, the license, isn't it? Yeah, for me, what I'm waiting on is um, I'm waiting for Terrorvision Records to officially announce that uh, the Part Two soundtrack. The score, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to, it's supposed to be sometime soon. So I'm I'm up for it, man. I mean, I I'm like you. I saw that um, I saw the Instagram post, and it just had the a black cover with the red classic logo on the front. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the official cover. It's it might not, not be. Like you say, it probably isn't, but you know, even if it was, I'd be quite happy because that's one thing about part two is the font for part two, beautiful. Mm -hmm. I use it for rabid weasels, I use it for our for my podcast, you know. Yeah, I I love it, it's great, it's totally different to the first, but I I just something about that font, it's 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 really good, really good, man. All right, love it. And and I have one last piece of trivia for you now. This is a good one. Okay, Uh, did you know? Return of the Living Dead 2 features a future Oscar winner. No. 
No, I didn't. I'm trying to rack my brains now who that could be. An Oscar winner. Um, Give a few seconds. um, I'm going to say... Is it... Oh, I can't original name. Is it a guy... Is it Tom? No. No. It's... It's the film's DP, Robert Ellis. Oh, right, right. Okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, the film's, the, the part two's DP was a guy named Robert Ellswit. And mm-hmm. that that may, might not sound like much to the average Joe, but for film fans, you'll probably better know him as the go, as Paul Thomas Anderson's go-to guy when it comes oh, to Oh, right. DPs. Yeah, because he's oh, done, wow. he's been the DP on a number of Paul Thomas Anderson flicks, like uh, Boogie Nights. As well as other mm-hmm. movies like Nightcrawler and Good Night and Good Luck. Oh, right. No way. That's brilliant. That's cool, man. No, I didn't know that. I didn't know that because you never sort of, um, unless you're like super well versed in with like director of photography and who's who. I mean, if it's the thing, you know, it's Dean Cundy and stuff yeah. like that, you, you know. But with this kind of a smaller film, it's something you'd never really think of. But yeah, that's cool. That's cool, man. I didn't know that bit of trivia. That's a good one. I like it. <clears throat> I like it, man. It's good. It's good. Um, I've got anything else on my list. I think we've gone through everything. That's there. We've done that. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, that, the last thing I've bought, I've got is the blue electrocution electrocution lines in the final sequence were all hand drawn, frame by frame, and cost over fifty thousand dollars to to create. Madness. Yeah. Madness, isn't it? Yeah, I remember Marsha telling me that. Yeah, it, it, the electricity costs a lot of time and money, money to yeah. do. And it, I mean, it shows, you know. Yeah. Just, just to think, somebody got paid fifty grand. Hey, we need you to draw us a lot of blue lines, electricity on these zombies. Okay. <laughs> yeah, especially the one that goes in one ear and out the other and pops the eye. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. That's like a legendary scene. Everyone remembers that. That's one of the the scenes where. If ever you think about the, the electrocution scene in part two, it's always that image, the eye pop. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. For me, anyway. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, I think uh, we're at a, a good point there for part two. Um, overall thoughts, part two. Could you Would you rate part two? Have you got a, a one to ten? Well, I've never done one, that before. One to ten. Hmm, if I had yeah. to rate it, mm, I would say it's a... Despite despite its issues and, and whatnot, you know, because I, I still enjoy it for what it is. I would say honestly, it's like it's a good. I would say, be honest, it's a seven out of ten. That's good. That's good, man. You know. Yeah, man. Yeah, and like I say, it's you know, um, never a guilty pleasure. If you like, you like it. You like it. Um, seven out of ten is pretty good. I'm gonna go. Hmm. Well, the first one for me is a, is a flat out 10. Same. Yeah. So for this, I'm going to go same. I'm going to go seven out of 10. Same. All right. Because, yeah, I think it's fair because there are some great points. There are some things which we've discussed, but not enough to 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 make you go, oh, man, this is annoying. I'm not even going to bother. Some yeah. some people on our, you know, when, we, when we're on these Facebook groups, some people really despise two and yeah. like, two onwards you know they're one all the way and i understand one is you know the greatest Mm -hmm. 
but I don't see that. I can't. I can't fully hate it. There's some great things in part two. There really yeah. are. You know. Um, also, Tom Matthews. Like, yeah. Going. No, it's just Tom Matthews has, has even said that. You know, he he disliked it for a, a long, long time. Yeah. I think he spoke about it on this this show when we had him when I had him on um, a couple of years ago. But he's grown to like it now because you know it was it was fun. It was fun to do. And he was he was and he was with his friend. He was with James Cameron again. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I I remember Tom like I remember in the in the part two documentary. He said that his fondest the the best thing about part two was the craft services. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's 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 seen a different light in it of it now. You know, there yeah. is a following. There is a following. I um when I met him. Uh, for Love of Horror in Manchester here in the UK. I took my Return Living Dead one soundtrack cover for him to sign, which he did. Mm-hmm. And I did take part two. And I was like, which one do I get him to sign? Obviously the first one, but it's like, oh, do I get him to do two as well? Ooh, I didn't do it in the end, but, you know, yeah. and Suzanne Snyder was there and I didn't go and I didn't know, don't know why. She didn't have a massive queue. I didn't, I didn't get anything signed by her which I, I do regret now so if i see her again if she's ever at one of these cons in the uk i'm definitely going to get part two signed or weird science <laughs> i don't know which <laughs> yeah so but yeah yeah man seven out of ten i yeah. think that's a fair that's and, fair. and definitely like return of the dead part two is is not the worst horror sequel of the 80s or or one of the worst horror sequels in general because no. trust me there's been a lot worse um the Halloween sequels, the Hellraiser sequels, and some of the later mm-hmm. Friday the 13th sequels, and even the Halloween sequels, they would <laughs> like to have a nice chat with us. Yeah, there's there's <coughs> excuse me, there's definitely worse things out there. Definitely. I mean, I'm looking at my collection now and I'm looking at a few going, they're in there for collection. They're not there for anything, you know. They're there to be in the collection, but they're not something I would sit and watch. You know, you've got some great um, sequels over the years. I mean, look at Aliens compared to Alien. Aliens, amazing. Yeah. But Aliens is something else. It's a completely different. Amityville 2, for example. I love Amityville 2. Scares the shit out of me. Ghostbusters 2. I love Ghostbusters 2. Um, the list goes on. You could just do it forever. Mm-hmm. Poltergeist 2, even, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. <clears throat> well, where can... Um, sorry, man. I keep coughing. It's terrible. This flu, man, it's it's, <laughs> it's trioxin flu induced. I tell you. So, where can people find you, sir? Where can any people go if they want to find your stuff? I'll put a link down, obviously. But all right. Well, the big the big one is my YouTube channel, Gamer Guys Reviews. I just put out a review of the new RoboCop game last week, and I definitely recommend you check that out. And I'm currently working on my next video, which I hope to have out sometime next week. We'll see. Great stuff, great stuff. <clears throat> yeah, definitely check it out. It's definitely worth worth checking out. It'll be good, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, um, William, thanks for coming on again. It's been great. It's My pleasure. Been great. Yeah, man, we'll do it again. We'll we'll continue this. Should we do? We've done one. We've done two. Shall we do three? <laughs> well, you know what they say: two's company, three's a crowd. Mm, three's a charm. Yeah, we'll do three. We've got to do three. It gives me an excuse to watch three again because it's been a long time. Very long time since I watched three. So yeah, we'll do we'll do it again. We'll do it again. But uh 
yeah, it's been fun, my good man. And uh, appreciate you coming on at such crazy times because there's a big, big time difference between us, isn't there? What, where mm-hmm. are you now? It is 5.40 p.m. in my neck of the woods, and it's going on midnight, I assume, over there. Yeah, close to midnight for me. But that's 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 how we roll. That's how we do these things. That's the love for the love of horror, isn't it? That's what we do. Mm-hmm. All right, buddy. All right. Well, yeah, cheers for coming on, and we will speak soon. All right. All right, man. And for anyone else out there, remember to check us out on Instagram at Return Living Deadhead. Alternatively, you can check out my YouTube channel, which is Splattered Plastic. And until next time, people. Spectacular results, sir. Very close to optimal placement. Well, sir, only 20 square blocks destroyed. Less than 4,000 dead, General. I wouldn't worry about the fires, General. The rain is taking care of that right now. Well, there have been complaints about burning skin, but I shouldn't worry. Uh, minor irritation, General. Uh, the rain will wash everything away. That's correct, sir. All should be back to normal by morning. Yes, sir, I understand the President will visit Louisville tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, we wouldn't want that to happen, sir. Sir, this hasn't been very pleasant for anyone. Thank you, sir. Good night, sir. Christ, it ain't dying! I thought you said if we destroyed the brain, it'd die. It worked in the movie! Well, it ain't working now, Frank. You mean the movie lost?